Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international bestseller called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. Today on our show, our guest is Mary Terhune. Mary has been in the healing arts for over 40 years, journeying as a registered nurse from allopathy to homeopathy, body-centered therapeutic massage, and the realm of Reiki and energy medicine. Her conscious awareness completely changed after an astonishing, spontaneous, spiritual awakening during a life crisis. With a foreword by Dr. Raymond Moody and high praise from Dr. Wayne Dyer, Mary is the author of Out of the Blue, True Life Experiences of Awakening, Revelation, and Transformation. On our show today, we'll hear about her journey, her awakening, and her experience that brought her the message that divinity is humankind's natural state, and the encounter she had that dispelled the illusion of birth and dying. You can find out more about Mary and her book at her book at her website, maryterhune.com. Mary, a warm welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you, Sandra. I'm happy to be here with you. I'm just thrilled that we've been able to connect. And you've got lots of great people singing high praises for your book. So I'm very excited to hear about your story. And thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Yeah, I'm happy to. Thank you. Yeah, if you won't mind, just tell us a little bit about you, some of your past. And um, yeah, I know you've said you've been in nursing, but just describe a little bit about who you were and, and what happened. Yeah, well, my journey began 35 years ago, actually, when I had this incredible life crisis that awakened me out of this egoic construct of thoughts and feelings and unhappiness in my life. And um, and as often the story goes, people usually have these awakenings out of life crisis right. when, they're, when they're in a lot of suffering. And that's what happened to me. I know that many people know Eckhart Tolle and his story, and that's what happened to him as well. And um, at that time, when I had this astonishing awakening, um, I was working in a hospital. Um, I had a training as a registered nurse, but I was in more on the administrative level there. Um, I was going to massage school to become a massage therapist at that time. And I was also looking into Reiki. Um, someone told me about Reiki and about light in the body, but I really had no comprehension of that. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I was um, coming out of a very bad relationship, and I ended up losing my home, my retirement money, I didn't get a lawyer. I, re I berated myself. And there I was. Uh, I had an 11 year old daughter. I was divorced many years by that time. And I was in this incredible anxiety and panic. Like, what have I done with my life? What have I just signed away here? And it was so it was such a crisis of my mind thinking these horrible thoughts about myself that I couldn't have one more bad thought. It, my mind could not hold any more thinking. And at that point, my mind just stopped. So it was this space between thoughts. And I know Eckhart speaks a lot about that. Yes. 
And I, of course, I didn't understand it at the time it was happening, but this space between thoughts, I would find out and understand over the years was the leap that humanity is taking into their divinity. Because the space between thoughts is not just empty space. It really is our consciousness, our divine nature, rest in the space between thoughts. Uh, Some people say that's where the saints live, in the space between thoughts, or the masters live in the space between thoughts. And that's who we truly are, is this, this peaceful, delicious consciousness filled with bliss. And what happened just as my mind stopped and this space opened inside my consciousness, the being called Jesus, or you can call it the Christ consciousness, entered the room in the form of light and began speaking to me. And the first thing that the Christ consciousness spoke of was forgiveness. That I needed to forgive myself because I didn't know any better. And then he, he spoke seven revelations. And the other one was about um, judgment. The other one was about the ego, disease, um, the Bible, weight issues. It was quite interesting to have him speak of these issues. And each issue that he spoke of, he gave me an experience of in my own being, in my life, teaching me how to apply these teachings. Now, it sounds kind of strange because I was sort of an agnostic. Mm-hmm. And so for ha- for ha- to have this happen was such a shock. But at the same time, it felt so normal. Like this is the real reality beyond egoic structure of thoughts and suffering and separation that I had felt before. Like this is the real deal. And as he spoke to me, he opened up all the chakras in my body and all these wheels started to spin around. And I thought, oh, this is what the Reiki people are talking about. And there's this this living consciousness in my body came alive. And later, of course, many years later, I would come to know it as the Kundalini, the, the spiritual energy, the living spiritual energy or consciousness in our being that fills this body, giving it life making the physical body appear alive, but what really what was living was the consciousness that filled it, giving it life. And you can see that out of the eyes of babies when you see that light in their eyes and the light around their bodies and how much joy they just bring because they're so close in that. They're so close to it. Mary, may I ask a question? Just trying, just following along. So just to understand, there you were with, the biggest crisis of your mind filled with negative thoughts, just completely saturated with them. And then you had this experience of light. And did you, just because this is so outside of anything I could imagine, did you see, see the light? Did you hear, did you just know instinctively it was the Christ consciousness? Was there a voice in your head? Because I would imagine, because I've had some, I, I don't know if I've hit that level of crisis in my mind, but it, it must have been just mind blowing to go to that space between thoughts 
and just I want to just to hear a little bit more about yeah. did you hear yeah. him and I, I saw the light mm-hmm. um, and I heard the voice just like you're talking to me right now wow and it isn't something that happens in the mind it happens in the consciousness in one's consciousness which is beyond mind you have a mind what I would learn is you have a mind and you have thoughts And that is the egoic structure, and that's what humanity has lived out all these many, many years. We've lived in thoughts, concepts, ideas. But those things change. How can they be you? And that's one of the things that the Christ consciousness taught me, which basically said, how can you be your thoughts? How can you be your ideas when those change? What is eternal? What is everlasting? And that's what I came to understand what was eternal and everlasting is this divine consciousness that we are that fills our beings and uh, that's eternal. It's not subject to time. Time, past, future, belongs to the egoic structure. And the egoic structure is the great leap we're making now out of being confined in thoughts in mind as if those opinions were us breaking out making this leap in between the space between thoughts or the space between words and that leap of consciousness is happening right there and that's why a lot of people can have experiences in meditation when they're finally their mind just quiets and all of a sudden they have an inner experience of light like, this feels alive. This is who I am. And as, does that make sense it, to you? It does. makes perfect sense. Thank you for clarifying. Just trying to imagine. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's an experience. And it's something that the mind cannot understand because it's not in the mind. It's in the consciousness. So the mind's function is to question and doubt. Hmm. Oh, that's why so many people, I think all people that I've interviewed who've had near-death experiences, they can't put words, they can't describe it with words properly what they experience because the words are in the mind, whereas the experience was in the consciousness, correct? Yes. Gotcha. Anytime you start trying to describe in words, now you're entering duality and it seems like, well, wait a minute, you said that, but isn't this true? So it ends up it ends up in this dualistic understanding when, and that's normal. So you try to express it in words, but it seems like uh, paradoxical, some of the things you're saying, um, or contradictory. And so it's very difficult to put it in words because it is an experience outside of language. And you could say it's an experience of silence. Okay. The great silence, which holds omniscience and our divinity of who our true our true state our true our trueness of who we truly are as eternal beings of a divinity uh stuck inside this physical body that appears alive when in actuality that which you truly are cannot be seen with eyes so when we look at our loved one we see their physical body but that which they truly are cannot be seen unless, of course, you've had um, experiences like I've had and where you can see this light and understand what it is. 
so that the people that we love and adore, um, the most important thing about them is what cannot be seen with the physical eyes, which is their true eternal divine nature. Whether they're aware of it or not, or you're aware of it or not, um, that was what I came to experience beyond the physical form. But of course, it took many years, as it did take Eckhart to understand what happened to him. And then he continued having experiences, and that's what happened to me. Um, In that time, that awakening with the Christ consciousness, it certainly wasn't uh, religious in terms of dogma and that sort of thing, but it was spiritual in terms of being transformational. Um, And how did that impact you from going from that crazed state of crisis to having that experience? I I can't imagine. I fell into, of course, in that experience, I fell into the most blissful love. And it was a love that was unfettered. It was love because its nature was love. And my third eye, I could feel something opened in my third eye, which is in the forehead, you know, and I felt something open, like it opened up. And when I went out to the back porch to, to look at something other than my living room after this, this session ended, um, what I could see was photonic packets of light surrounding the trees, the flowers. I could see that which can't usually is not seen, which is the light behind everything or the living consciousness that creates everything from this light. And it was this living consciousness and it was so palpable with love, with the most beautiful love and uh, out and I burst into tears and I thought, Oh my God, this is, this is heaven, but we've made it into something else. In other words, this earth is heaven, but we've created it, made it into something else. And for the days that followed, of course, I couldn't understand what, what is this? I, I knew it, but I couldn't, my mind, like I could not comprehend. No one else ever spoke of this. This was back in the 80s, you know. No one else was talking about this. Don't they know what this is? Everybody, look, people, are you not aware of this? <laughs> you know, it was a very strange, because all I could feel was love. And wherever I looked, when I went to work, I could barely function because all I felt was love and saw love. It's like I fell in love with everybody and everything, and it was this divine um, energy of truth. But all I saw were people arguing with one another, putting one another down, and I'm thinking, no, people, no, no, there's just love. You have to love each other. Can't you see the divinity in each other? So it was a very, um, it took me a very long time. All I wanted to do was to sit on a park bench. But I had to work, and it was very difficult. I could not concentrate on work, because all I wanted to do was to be in this state of being, in this what seemed to me a natural state of bliss and ecstasy. And it was through really uh, coming upon Eckhart's work, where he 
he said for a couple of years, all he did was sit on a park bench to try to uh, assimilate, understand what happened to him. And it was through meeting other, I think a monk that he met who helped him understand, which is what happened to me. Two years later, I met a monk who helped me to assimilate, understand the beginnings of understanding what was going on with me. And of course, I had still had life. I had to pay the bills. I had a daughter. I had lost everything. I was still in anxiety. And and yet I had this other experience, like, what is going on here? And uh, it was very difficult because in the, in the end, I ended up losing my job at the hospital because I could not concentrate on what I was doing. Nothing made sense. It seemed irrelevant. And uh, so I went through a very difficult period, but over time um, I came to assimilate and understand. And then in, that was in 1984 when that experience happened with the Christ consciousness. And then in 86, I had a powerful, so I started meditating then and I found this monk to talk to. And I um, had an incredible experience of self-realization. How does one find a monk? I don't mean to be funny about that, but. Um, well, you know, it's not something you find. It's something that finds you. Okay. And it's sort of like everybody has a path. And you're led on this path. And you find the people you need to speak to. You find the books you need to, to read you have experiences in your life that lead you on this path okay. of return. We're all heading to the same oneness. Mm -hmm. And we, and there are so many, many, many ways of getting there. And all I can say is I, it just fell upon it. You know, I happened to walk into an office of a healer and there was a picture on a wall and there was this monk and I go, who's that? And, you know, do you want to meet this monk? Yeah, I do. And so it kind of happens like that. Mm -hmm. Things unfold in one's life. And this amazing experience of self-realization changed me forever. I mean, that just blew everything open. And um, it was then I had the experience of being a Brahmin the ultimate field of reality. And the message is I was experiencing self-realization as the Kundalini energy comes up. It took the whole story, life story of Mary as this separate identity filled with um, thoughts and ideas. And it merged up past the third eye into the higher chakra known as the uh, Brahmarandra. And uh, the words associated with it were, I am Brahman and all of this is my creation. So Brahman meaning the ultimate field of reality. And all of this is my creation. And it was an experience of such bliss and such understanding. And then there's a, an experience of this fountainhead where this shower of uh, like a waterfall of grace coming through the top of your head all the way down, out your heart. And at that point, who, who appears to me but in a physical realm or appearing in a physical realm was Christ Jesus rising in a cloud right in front of me. And I thought, Oh my gosh, these uh, mystical experiences are real. What they speak about is real. And he floated up 
to the sky. And I thought, am I ascending too? Meaning, am I ascending in my, to my divinity within this physical being? Where was this that this happened? This happened at a meditation center. I had taken time to be away. And I was actually taking a course on the ego, <laughs> as it turns out. And so what I got to experience and hear, because when I had the full experience, I heard the words, here is your divinity, the divinity that awaits all mankind. And I knew it to be true, and it made me so joyous and so happy. And this is what I wrote about in that chapter in my book when I first self-published it. This was the chapter that Wayne Dyer read, and he loved it so much. He said it was the best description of self-realization he has ever read in his 30 years. And he called me up on the phone. Amazing. <laughs> and he asked me to come to his Divine Love Seminar so mm -hmm. that he could read this chapter from this book, I would be a surprise author, guest. And then at the end of the 30 minutes of reading it, he said, I've never read from another author's book ever on the stage. And that audio of him reading from that first written self, self-published book, that audio is available on my website, maryterhune.com. They captured that audio, the reading of him reading from the book. And so it's very special, of course, because yes. he passed He passed three months before the book came out. Wow. Congratulations on that. And there's something, Mary, and I know you know it to be true. When you hear truth, it just resonates with your soul. Yes. And that's what happened with Dr. Dyer, I'm imagining. Yes. yes. And also, there's th that ego. I know it's a part of humanity, but it can really be brutal. And to get that through meditation and what happened with you, the experience you had, and there are these experiences possible, but there is actually a way that we can peel back the onion, peel back the layers to tap into that. So I'm very interested in that. Yes, yes. And it's, um, and admittedly, my experiences were very extreme. I mean, that, those, these were extreme experiences. Usually awakenings happen a little at a time with people, but for some reason for me, they were very extreme and that's always how it's been for me. And of course, then the task is trying to assimilate all of this while you are living your life, trying to make a living, paying bills, dealing with family, and all the issues that come with life, mm -hmm. you know, fixing your car that breaks down. I mean, it's just, you know, the stuff of life and and assimilating all of this and trying to find the understandings can take a very long time. And we have to, you know, and this is where compassion comes in with each other. and um, Patience, forgiveness, patience, all those good things. Because when I... Any time I would have these enormous experiences, of course, I changed as a person and the way I interacted in life over time changes as you come closer and closer to your true nature. And then, you know, I became less reactive because the ego is reactive, but the, but the self, the, the true self is responsive. So I became less reactive in life where I would pause and 
you know, consider the situation and then I could be responsive to it versus reactive. And so much of that just takes time. It just takes time and experiences and following that experience of self-realization and uh, the challenge of, of integrating all of that was it just took time. And so that happened in July of 1988. In October of 1988, I had my experience of death. And I had it in a very conscious way. At that time, I was working at MIT. Massachusetts Institute of Technology. <laughs> yes, I was working in the Center for Theoretical Geocosmoplasma Research. Wow. That's a and I was the administrative assistant. I was also the one who... Uh, for the center, I organized international conferences for space plasma physicists. So here I was in this very sort of cosmic setting, you mm -hmm. know, studying space and the sun and its effects upon the earth. And here I am having this these experiences. It's quite comical. It is. And there I was at that time. Now I was a meditator. And so I every lunchtime, I would take time to meditate while I was having lunch working at MIT. And I would usually go outside to meditate, but this, but it was October, so it was kind of cold. So I went into the lobby of the electrical engineering building that faced Mass Ave at MIT. Mm -hmm. In this lobby, these gigantic windows, and they had these long benches. So I would sit on the bench, you know, lean against the wall, have my sandwich, and then I'd meditate. And in the middle of the lobby, there was a revolving door where students would come in and out and walk through the building to go to another building, usually. And I was reading an article about a monk who was from the east, from India, and a self-realized being. And I realized I would never meet him. I would never get to meet him because he's on the other side. So physically, I'd never meet him. And as I was having those reading about him and um, I decided, well, you know, that's how it is. I, I will never meet him. So I closed my eyes to meditate for a few minutes. And after just a few minutes, I heard a voice that said, are you ready? And I thought, oh, that's just a student, you know, see, he sees I'm meditating. I'll just won't pay attention to him. Then I hear the voice again. Are you ready? So you heard it loud. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. And then I realized I sort of turned my attention to the voice. And there, with my eyes closed, I saw this monk in his red robes. And I'm like, oh, my God, these, this really happens. People report on this. This, this is really happening. And he starts walking towards me from the windows, walking right straight towards me. And as he gets very close to me, all of a sudden he turns into the energy of the Milky Way, spinning around and enters my solar plexus. And with that, a bunch of noises, which I later came to know were not nadas, divine sounds. I heard a conch, I heard like a tornado, great wind. I heard like a, a locomotive, I heard um, bells ringing. And the sound was, was so loud then the wind and everything was so loud inside me. I wondered if people walking by could hear this. 
And just as the energy now is moving up my body, that kundalini, that energy that moves up, started moving up my body. My eyes were still closed. And now this noise has reached my ears. And I thought my eardrums are going to burst. And then all of a sudden I realized, wait a minute, I'm going to leave my body. You know, is this okay? (laughs) It's strange. Mm -hmm. I'm like, is this all right? It's like, yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Okay, fine. You know, I was just that kind of a person who had the faith by now of all the things that had happened to me. And just that a energy left the top of my body, right through the top of my head. And all of a sudden, in, in an instant, I found myself standing, or I could say my spiritual body of light, in front of two windows of light, like a window in a home, except one above the other. And as I looked at these windows of light, I was aware that that monk was there in his energy form. And the light coming from these windows was filled with so much bliss, so much love, was magnetic and bright and alive. And I wanted to go to it. I wanted to go to it. And I thought, if I go, if I go, I won't come back. And wait a minute. Uh, I heard a voice say, don't you have a daughter? Oh. So it was like, but still the pull was so strong. It was I that good. Go. I wanted to go. And as I went towards it, the monk stopped me and said, not yet. And I thought, okay, wherever I was, I have to go back. I can't go. And I thought, well, how am I going to get back? Back to what? Back to where? I didn't even relate as a woman or a man or having a physical body. I was just a presence of energy that was me, that was totally me. And so I looked down and what I saw was this very thin Uh, a cord of light, this very thin cord of light, and it was somehow attached to my energy. And I thought, I have to follow the silver cord. And if I follow the silver cord, it will take me to where I need to go. This I understood. I don't know how I understood it, but I knew it. And as I followed, my energy traveled along this silver cord. All I saw was this void, this blackness. But then all of a sudden, I hit a veil that opened. And I saw our solar system, the planets, Jupiter, Mars, Saturn, Neptune. And as I, zooming past different planets, I thought, I wonder which planet I'm going to. And as it zoomed down, like in the Google Maps, you know, when you zoom down in Google Maps? (laughs) It was zooming just like that. And. I I went very fast. And then I realized, oh, oh, the cord is leading to planet Earth. Oh, I'm going to planet Earth. And so I head down so it zooms in faster. Oh, I'm going to North America. It zooms in again. Oh, I'm going to Massachusetts. It zooms in again. Oh, I'm going to MIT. And just then I find myself hovering in the ceiling of the electrical engineering building at MIT, looking down at a body that's sitting meditating. Wild, Mary. Wild. And I think, oh, 
that's the body I have to go back into. And I had no thought of being a man or a woman at all. I was just divine energy that was living. And I thought, okay, that's the body I have to go back into. So I entered through the silver cord through the top of the head. And as my, as the energy of my eternal energy of who I truly am, who we truly are, entered the top of my head, it filled the body and the body jumped. It literally jumped. Boom. I went, oh, 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 my God, this is tight. And I started feeling like a tight shoe, like I'd been put my foot into a tight shoe. And then all of a sudden, the mind and the thoughts associated with this being, with this life called Mary, came back. And I thought, oh, my God, I have to work with that. I got to work with those thoughts. I got to work with that mind. Oh, no, this isn't good. No, after experiencing something else, being limitless. Being being my true self, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, no. And just as I had that thought, the monk appears, boom, in front of me. And he goes, you see, the veil is very thin between here and there. Very thin. Boom, he disappears. And now I am sitting in this body that I've had to go back into, into this life issues that I had to deal with, thinking, oh, my God, you can't die. You are living consciousness. You are the living consciousness. Having this human experience called Mary that you have to deal with. And I thought, wait a minute. If you can't die, then you can't be born. Oh, my God, the whole thing's an illusion. You can't die. You can't be born. You just always are. You are this eternal nature of divinity that you're coming back home to in this physical body. That's the task. Drop the ego. Drop the Mistaken identity as a single, separative, suffering individual and come home to your true nature, your true nature, which is divinity, the divinity that belongs to all mankind. And this is the leap, the leap humanity is making out of this huge mind, emotion, thought story of separation and suffering, leaping, literally a leap into one's divinity in this physical body. And in Eastern tradition, they have a name for it, it's becoming a jivan mukta. Jivan meaning body, mukta meaning liberation, being liberated in the body. Liberated from what? Liberated from this tiny, egoic, mistaken identity as a single separative, suffering person, per se, persona, and leap into your divinity. And that is what happened that day. Death died for me that day. Birth died for me that day. And that changed me again forever. Um, 
and I continued on my path, what was it like having to go back from lunch to sit at a desk? Oh my God. I, you know, I struggled. Uh, I, I struggled. I mean, it was sure, a struggle. Yeah. And this is why I feel that my, my, uh, what was the gift, the work that I'm being given to do, especially now at my age, is to speak about this leap that humanity is on the verge of and is making now so that people don't have to be afraid of what's happening inside themselves or wonder what is happening, what is going on inside me anyway. Is anybody talking about this? Uh, because I want to talk about it, but I don't know who to talk to. And so this is I, this is why I had to write the book. This is what I feel my my work is here is to speak about this and the leap that humanity is making right now and to help people uh, embrace their divinity and to work through. How do I work through this? How do I, how do I get to that space between thoughts? How, how do I do this? What can I do to help myself do that? And so I feel as we, so I feel these experiences of uh, near-death experiences and many different ways people can have them and spiritual awakenings are basically talking, speaking to the same thing, which is we are eternal beings. We are eternal beings. We are not just separative little stories of pain and separation and ego thoughts and minds and constructs. We are divine beings and it's time for us to reclaim this because consciousness wants to know itself in all of its divinity. Well, I'm all for that. <laughs> I, you know, just sitting where I am right now, it's, we live in the illusion that what we're looking at is all there is. Yes. And there is such a bigger picture. And like you said, it's just this thin veil that we can actually tap into people yes. who've had near death experiences, out of body experiences, these these spontaneous experiences like this get there, but there's a way we can. And they're like you say, it's the leap and we can do it in the comfort of our own skin. We can make this journey and it just yes. takes something to be there. Yes. Oh, it, it's great. Cause I've, I've had some uh, overwhelming days the past few days that I didn't think I could handle at all. And this is just a reminder. Oh, there is a much bigger picture. Mm -hmm. And have I taken the time to um, look at the space between thoughts and meditate? Well, the answer to all that is no. So can you just describe a little bit about the egoic structure that we're in? Because I think most, I, I think a lot of listeners of this show are aware that our thoughts are not us. Mm. But it takes a reminder because we're in, when we're in the throw of the day, even yourself after having these experiences, you get caught up in humanity and it, it may be easy to forget in that moment. Can you just talk a little bit about this egoic structure and maybe some of the things we can do mm -hmm. to start the process of going to the place between thoughts? Yeah, I, um, yeah, I, well, one of the things that you can begin with is to notice your, the thoughts that your mind is thinking, to be aware that you're thinking thoughts. 
and to observe, wait a minute, I'm thinking these thoughts. You're driving in the car and you're thinking about, oh, I need to go here and I need to go and I need to get that. Or so-and-so said this to me. I didn't like that what that person said and I'm going to say something and or, oh, I have to stop at the cleaners now or don't I have to? So we're in these thoughts and they just go and go and go and go and go. And usually the thoughts are very familiar. It's like the same old thought pattern. Oh, I'm not good enough. Wait a minute. I shouldn't stay in this job. I, what did that person say to me anyway? I don't like that. So we're in this reactive thought patterns and it's not pleasant. And once you stop, you're wait a minute, I'm thinking these thoughts, you make up, you make up stories. These thoughts make up stories about how you think things are. Right. And not close, even close to the truth. Right. And so you realize, wait a minute, I'm making up stories. I'm living my life out of a made up story about how I think things are. Is there another way to be? Yes. Pause in that moment. Take a breath. Just pause and let the breath go into the breath and watch and just You don't have to latch on to thoughts like that's your life and they're going to, your thoughts are just keep following the thoughts. You can stop and take a pause, take a breath, go into the space between thoughts by pausing and be in that and watch it. And then watch how the thoughts just want to drag you right back into a story, right back into an argument, right back into a bad feeling. You don't have to follow thoughts. These thoughts, no one's had an original thought, by the way. These are just thought structures. So we've learned how to latch on to thoughts and create stories out of them, which creates separation and suffering, and we suffer. Yes, we do. And the option is to notice first that you're thinking these thoughts, and you're thinking, and watch the thoughts that you keep creating. Maybe it's about your job. Maybe it's about relationships. Maybe it's about money. It, maybe it's about all of them. And watch the thoughts that you have about that. And wait a minute. I'm creating this story. Is there a life beyond stories? Yes. It's called the life of being. The life of, of, of presence or consciousness or one's divine nature. And trusting that that is a living force and presence that lives in you as you. Trusting in that presence, the space between thoughts, the space between words, going to that space and letting it grow and develop inside you as your living presence. It's not empty space. It's filled with divinity, omniscience, your true state of bliss and peace. And you'll notice that the thoughts come and you'll, oh, and once you follow a thought, it can drag you into another story. And so it's this constant practice of being aware in that way. And then when someone says something to you that sometimes is not pleasant, you can just pause before you get into being reactive. You can just take a moment and just pause. And then you can be responsive. Because once you pause, then you fall into the wisdom, the wisdom that is you, that wisdom of divinity that can now 
relate to another person from a place of wisdom versus reactivity so that you're not taking things personally and realize that most of humanity is stuck in this the craziness of the egoic thinking reactive story mind just if once you understand that then you can understand yourself and you can understand the place where other people are for the most part having you, some compassion yeah. having some compassion yeah. for ourselves and others i just pictured this snowball that's growing into just this huge mass just the more thoughts we think it just it just continues to grow and grow and grow and it it was really i hate to use this word juicy but it sounded juicy to me that when those space between thoughts that's where our divinity lies and to pause and give some room for that and then through that we can take action and, and know what to do that's really profound and beautiful Yes, and that action doesn't come from the mind. That action comes from divine wisdom that you take then. Which is within all of us. Yes, that lives in us as us equally. It's equally. We all have the same amount. <laughs> it's, it's oneness. It's omniscience. It's, it's bliss. It's peace contentment it's so much more and you know when i heard those words here is your divinity the divinity that awaits all mankind i my being leapt in joy leapt in joy and at that time then what opened was again i could see the light surrounding the trees the light surrounding people in 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 the book i talk about I, as I was as I was in this state, I saw people walking by, and I could see their souls hovering over their by the top of their head, this halo, and it was like and light streaming down in their bodies like Christmas trees. And I wanted to shout at them, "Look, look! There's your soul! Can't you see it? Don't you know you're God amongst this these thoughts that you're thinking? Don't you know?" I mean, I wanted to shout it, but I knew I couldn't. Shout that! Crazy. <laughs> yes. So it's, but it's true. And as yeah. you have experiences, and many people have many different experiences of, of uh, this astonishing light. So we're here on Earth at this time to bring divinity within our beings, to anchor it inside ourselves, to anchor it on this Earth. This is what we are here for. This is who we are. And this is the big leap that the whole world is in the process of making. And as you can see, the egoic structures are just are just uh, being exposed for what they are, egoic illusory structures, and they're they're just toppling. They're they're cracking. You, they just can't be held together anymore in that construct because this divinity within humanity is is coming forward within us, within each person. It's happening. And sometimes we're aware of it, sometimes we're not. And everyone is in different states, for different times, for different reasons. So this is what we're going through in the world. You can see it. There it is. And you can either focus on the fact that we're crumbling and things are falling apart, or you can focus on the fact, oh, wait a minute, 
this is this is divinity coming forward in humanity as we let go of these egoic structures of separation and hating people and hating ourselves and you know suffering terribly uh, with it and so this is the great leap we are in humanity and it, it is a leap because it's a leap out of the mind and thoughts and for that is like that now that's a leap <laughs> you know? and a one worth taking and I like the thought of going for the divinity and the space between thoughts and that you know when you what you focus on grows right so I'd rather much rather focus on that and also I was just remembering I had taken a class in dowsing using dowsing rods dowsing energy patterns dowsing underground streams all of those kind of things and although the dowsing rods would be the things that would actually move the instructor said imagine that you could see these lines of energy yes and the amazing thing mary was that when we walked the energy my dowsing rods would open exactly where i had seen those energy patterns and other people's were too so it wasn't like it was just me we were all seeing the same thing so what if we chose and it might be engaging what we think is our imagination to see the light in other people to see the light within our pets to see the light within nature acting as if it's all love it's all light because it really is but i think what you're speaking of really has that potential of global transformation Yes. And we don't all have to have the experience you had. We all get different little tidbits on our journey to help serve mankind. This is what you got so that you can share with us. So I am fascinated and I think this is, I mean, I know you've had your pain and suffering and health issues and things like that on your journey, but that you're able to give so freely. And I want to ask too, these experiences that you, that you had, do you remember them vividly or are they just like a memory of the past? Oh, they're vivid. Absolutely vivid and alive. Yeah. They're alive. Excellent. And that's the reason that's the answer I really thought you'd give because people that I've interviewed that have had near death experiences and have had some other great awakening things, they're not like any dream or some memory that's hard to dig up. It's mm. as if it just happened. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that's a real deal. So and, yeah, continue. Yes. I just want you to continue on with your journey. Is that at the point where you decided you chose to write the book and start speaking and even connecting with people personally? You, you do that. You work with people personally. Yes, I do. And I um, like to do workshops and uh, like to do more of them actually now on self-realization and um, I've done workshops on, on death and my experience of that and sharing it. So I'd like to, it's just something I feel like I need to do in a larger way now. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm being called because the times are calling for that now. I also had, one, one thing I wanted to touch on was consciousness-based medicine. Okay. And you know, as a, as a nurse, I was trained in, in material medicine you know, drugs. 
that yes. we're all familiar with. And of course, I was familiar with. And then I had my I had an, my own health issues back in uh, 1998 when I found out that my thyroid was failing and becoming hypo um, hypothyroid, having hypothyroid. And I wanted to cure it because by that time I understood that there was an emotional basis for disease. And um, I wanted to understand what what was going on inside me. And I happened to mention it to a friend at work. And she goes, oh, well, then you're going to have to try homeopathy. And she turns around and hands me a flyer out of nowhere, it seemed. And I look at the flyer and it says, homeopathy, the great mind-body medicine. And I'm thinking, that's for me. So I call up the practitioner, happened to be a nurse. And I go and I have my interview uh, with the homeopath, and it was the most astonishing experience that I've ever had in my life. And she asked me to write a timeline of all the never well since events that I experienced in my life, and even in utero, if my mother was still alive, to ask her. Okay. So at the end of all of this, I was given a remedy. I looked at the timeline and I could see on this timeline from the beginning I was in utero and now that I was suffering from a lot of grief events, a lot of grief events evolving around relationships. And as as it turns out, my mother, when she was eight months pregnant with me, her mother, who she was the greatest friends with, died at eight months pregnant. And so she lost her mother. So she suffered this great grief of loss of her mother And here I am in utero being imprinted with this, which I understood was an imprint of grief, of loss of mother. And throughout my life, I could see this repeating in relationships, in losses around relationships. So the homeopath gave me a remedy and I was put in water and it's homeopathic. And I standing in the kitchen and I put it on my tongue. And as soon as I did, my whole consciousness left my body went into the void and I saw this twinkling little light and I thought, that's the grief, that's the grief, that twinkling light in my consciousness, that's the grief. And all of a sudden, from the other side, I saw this other little twinkling light come along to come to this other little twinkling light and all of a sudden they matched up, boom, and and exploded and I went back into my body. Then I understood how homeopathy worked. It works because the consciousness of the remedy cured the consciousness of where I was holding my grief because like cures like, and it's all energetic. And it begins in the mind and consciousness, these traumas that we carry. And this is why we need to bring consciousness medicine back into our medical system. We need both. We need trauma medicine and we need consciousness-based medicine. And so one of the things that I do is I teach intro classes to the general public about uh, homeopathic medicine and how they can use it in their lives for the little things like prevention of flu, colds, uh, and you get into a car accident and you're suffering from shock, if, if you have food poisoning, if you, just these little things, these everyday little things that add up. And once you experience it and then you gain a mastery of that for yourself, 
then you can understand, have an experience of this consciousness-based medicine, help yourself to help heal yourself in, in your life. So that's one of the other things that I enjoy doing as well. Um, I can understanding see why. <laughs> I can see why. That's fantastic. It's it's something I've not really ever tapped into. Yes. And uh, do you talk about homeopathic medicine at all in your book or just in your... Yes, I do. I do. Oh. I talk about that experience and then some of the things that I learned from it in a basic way, you know, that's that people can that can people can assimilate and I give experiences in my own family and friends and how I used it for these different events. I talk about my daughter and how she came home falling through the door one, one evening and I go, what is wrong? And she, I realized it was food poisoning and I was just learning how to do this. And I gave her the remedy and it immediately took the symptoms away. And I'm like, Oh my God, this works. This is very bizarre. So I remember that as a nurse, changing my whole way of thinking, you know. But of course, we need both. We need to bring in, we need right. the traumatic medicine and we need homeopathic. Homeopathic is the feminine principle in healing and trauma medicine is the masculine system of healing. You need both to have a balance. You right. need both. Terrific. And your book is called Out of the Blue. True Life Experiences of Awakening, Revelation, and Transformation. Beautiful. Mary, we have just a few minutes left. Uh, anything else you want to share or what you're up to or closing words? or? Uh, I would say try for yourself finding that space between thoughts. Notice your thoughts, that you're thinking thoughts. You're not your thoughts. And then open that space between thoughts and practice it and see what happens in your life and how that changes so you can be more responsive in life instead of reactive and see how that changes for yourself. Also, um, if people want me to come and do a workshop for them, whether it's on the book and the different experiences in the book of self-realization or any of that or homeopathic, you can go onto my website, marydreen.com and, um, I would really enjoy that. So, and people can even book sessions just to talk to you. Yes, I and I that. do. Mm -hmm. I also do massage healing work, and I work in Groton right now, Groton, Massachusetts, at Groton Therapeutic Massage, and people will come for various things, whether it's injuries or. And I right now it's just I just have a female clientele because I am an older woman, so I don't have, quite have the strength anymore to do mm -hmm. to work with men, but. Um, and that's something I also love to do and educate people and help them out. Well, Mary, you've been most illuminating and fabulous. And I'm so grateful that we had this conversation today. And I think our listeners feel the same way as well. Thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you, Sandra. It was a pleasure speaking with you. I really enjoyed it. And hello to all of your guests, too. Oh, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I interview a lot of authors. And although books are great, this one left me just like, oh, I've got to keep reading your book because I've got a copy of it here. And it's just, I just want to know more. So I encourage all listeners, if you're interested in this, to go check out Mary's book. Also, there's a reason there's, there's a sparrow on the front of the book. Okay. So you'll find that out too, the sparrows uh -huh. and having experiences with nature. People, a lot of people do have that. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. 
Well, Mother thank Nature. You. Well, yeah, Mother Nature. Thank you for being our guest. And our to our listener, thank you for taking this hour and being with Mary and I. What else can I tell you? Our home base for this show is we don't die radio.com and you can find now over 320 episodes that inspire you and now many you really can take some action in your life that this one in particular tapping into your own divinity and so much more. Also, I will be a speaker at the upcoming IANS conference, which is the International Conference on Uh, The International Association for Near-Death Studies, which will be in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, August 29th through September 1st, 2019. You can come meet me there, and you can find out more at IANS.org. In closing, I want to say thank you so much again to our guest. Thank you to our listener. My name is Sandra Champlain. Always my pleasure to be your host on We Don't Die Radio. And I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that our lives really are important. And I'm just so left with this thought of the space between thoughts, getting in touch with our own divinity, tapping into our own wisdom, letting that grow and seeing the light in others and and feeling that love. So I'm hoping that you're left with that as well today. So thank you for listening and we'll see you soon. (music) 